Wow, I didn't even put the applause sign up. I need one of those. Laugh, applause, you know, things like that. That'd be great. I'm Pastor John Hubert, and glad to have you here today. Uh, we're glad that you came here, and we believe it's a great day to be at Crossroads. And we want to start, you should have taken the cue by the fact that I'm wearing my red sweater today, that we're starting our Christmas series. So that's kind of the cue, the color cue. I don't have a green sweater. I have to, I'd have to just keep going with red, I guess. Uh, but we are, this is Christmas time. Last week was Thanksgiving, and a lot of people I know complain, say we can't do Christmas carols before Thanksgiving, but now it's Christmas, the time of the year. Uh, there's a favorite time for many of us. I, I love Christmas time. I love uh, what it represents and what uh, the Christian uh, spirit of it. But there's also a lot of things that go along with Christmas that sometimes people um, really like, like there's special foods that you make during Christmas time that you don't make any other time. I did see there's some Ludafisk uh, dinners out on uh, Advertise, so if anybody's really looking, if you haven't, um, don't. But uh, <laughs> I just see that that's, uh, our Lutheran friends especially, it's, like, it's, it's almost like they're doing it as a dare, uh, I wanted to say to them, but um, for some people, it's, uh, I have a, a large group of friends that I went to Bible college with at North Central, and they're girls, and they are all obsessed with Hallmark movies, and they're obsessed with the fact that there are so many Hallmark movies that come out, and they're Christmas Hallmark movies, and they, they count down the days, and they're excited, and so Christmas Hallmark movies are here. I can see the look of it, yes, okay, there's, there's some believers here. For other people, it's the lights. I'm a big guy, um, big believer in lights and, and uh, decorations and things like that. Uh, and things, it's great to see all the houses lit up. And also, for, a lot, for many people, it's presents. As a child, I remember uh, what, what the present is. You know, it's under the tree, uh, what it's going to be, what we're looking forward to. And so for many about us, it's, it's about new things or perhaps more of something that you already have, or something that's going to bring new into your life. And so today what we want to talk about is our new series called All I Want for Christmas Is. And there's going to be four weeks, and it's going to be hope, peace, joy, and love. Now how many here can agree that if we have all of those in more of those, we will have a great Christmas? I mean, if you think about it, there are things you're going to receive for Christmas, and I got to tell you, some of them are going to be disappointing. Some of them are going to be maybe what you actually thought you wanted, and it's going to break in two minutes. Or it's not going to be in the, you ordered online, it was this big online, it shows up and it's this big. Maybe I ever have that happen. Uh, it, you know, it shows up, it, it may not be actual size or everything like that. So, what we're doing right now is we're celebrating what's called Advent season. And the Advent calendar, the Advent season has been in place for many years in the Christian church. And there are four themes of the Advent series, and that's what we're doing, the four themes. But there, So there are four weeks. Right now we are in the season that is leading up to Christmas. And Christmas begins December 25th. And then how long does Christmas last? Twelve days. So the 12 days of Christmas last until the Epiphany. 
So this is the church calendar which is set up. And so for some churches, they celebrate again after the 12 days of Christmas. And you, you know this because there's a song. It helps you. I don't think you're supposed to get anything on the, all 12 days. but uh, So that's the Christmas calendar, the Advent. So what we are going to be doing in this is preparing for Christmas is following the Advent calendar and really going with the concept of preparing for the coming. Advent means the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah. It looks back to those who are waiting for Jesus. You see, for thousands of years, there were many who wanted Jesus to come. They wanted their Messiah to come, and this is the Advent, and we're, we, we now, in these four weeks, go through the time of saying, come, Jesus, come. But also, because we live after the first Advent, we are ready for the second Advent. And during this time, we also emphasize the fact that our we're going to talk about hope today. What is our blessed hope? Our blessed hope is the coming of Jesus Christ. So we have hope that we saw in the Old Testament. They had hope for Jesus to come. We have hope because we've seen him come. And now we have hope again that we will see Christ return for us again. And you say, how is that possible? You know, a lot of times you look at the story of Jesus and say, how is it possible that Jesus is going to appear in the sky, we're going to meet him in the sky, all these things are going to happen. I say, you know, if he can handle a virgin birth and rising from the dead, I think he can handle meeting us in the sky. I have really no doubts about that. So he's already proven himself that he can do that. That's with the Advent. So we talk about hope today. What is the definition of hope? For a lot of secular people, people outside, and I was reading this about psychological uh, even necessity. They were talking about that hope is thought of as something that it's, it's something that you wish would happen. It's something that maybe has a chance of happening. Like, I hope that, you know, this good thing is going to happen to me. I hope that I grow taller. I hope that I have this. I hope that this happens. And you're not really sure it's going to happen. In fact, um, some of the ancient writers of this time would write that it was Basically, for the feeble, the desperate, and the phantom, hope. That's what it was thought of. But for the most part, the hope of the Bible is concerned with something very different. It is, in comparison with other hope, it can be scarcely recognized as hope because it's all based on the concept of a living God. When we put our hope in a living God, He that intervenes in our life, that created us, that when he says something is going to happen, it isn't, I hope that it happens. Because let's be honest, there's no one in this world, there's no one, whether you love them and they're the perfect husband or wife or perfect whatever, that has not let us down. Okay, there's nothing out there that hasn't let us down. There's no job, there's no, everything has let us down. But God, when we have hope in him, it is a sure deal. So the hope that we are talking about today needs to come with this. It's not a matter of temperament. It's not a matter about cir circumstances or any human possibilities. It is all based on a living God that is broken into history and continues to break into history. And we can have unbelievable hope because of him. And because of him, we have the true hope this Christmas. But if we look into our society, I heard something distressing the other day. For years and years and years, the life expectancy rate in our country has been rising. But in the last two years, 
the life expectancy rate in our country has been dropping. And you know why it is? Two factors. Suicide rates are going up and drug overdose rates are going up. We, have, we are living in a world, especially in the United States, where there is a lack of hope. If you, are doing, if you are committing suicide, overdosing on drugs, it is usually because you do not have hope of what's happening, what's going to happen in this life. So slowly but surely, we see the life expectancy rate go down because people are saying, it's not worth it. There's no hope in this world. And you know what? Outside of a living God, there's nothing that we can really hold on to. And what we see with this too and all the demographic studies that are done throughout our country, you know what people have done with the rise of the opioid crisis, the rise of the drug use, the rise of the hopelessness? You know what that has corresponded with? People moving away from church and moving away from God. And they have no hope. But we have hope because of a living God. We have hope because of a God who makes promises and keeps them. We have hope with a God that says, this will happen because I say it will. And as there's nothing in this world that can stop God from making it happen. So the reason we have hope in this Advent, the reason we have hope in the second Advent to come, all comes back to a living God. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And we're going to talk about Mary today. And we're going to talk about hope. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, there should be one in front of you. Otherwise, there, it'll be behind you on the screen. And I'm just going to read this story. And you, many of you have heard this story. But uh, we're going to talk about what it means for hope this Sunday. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of this kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and the sixth month with her who, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be a, to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And there's a few things I want you to see about hope right here. First of all, we have hope because of God's favor. You notice that God, when he, when, when he sends his angel to talk to Mary, he tells her a couple things. He says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. That's in verse 28. And then in verse 30, he says, You have found favor with God. Now, what's interesting about that is a lot of people have kind of come up with a, uh, a concept of Mary. 
And uh, it's been pushed a lot within the, some churches in the West where Miriam just must have been this wonderful woman. She had to have been the greatest girl of all time. In fact, when you see pictures of her many times, there's a halo over her head. Okay, that she's just so perfect. And in fact, some churches have pushed it to the state that Mary must have been sinless herself. And when you hear the term immaculate conception, they talk about the fact that actually that's not about Jesus, that's about Mary, that she was born of a virgin also. Because she had no sin in her. And it's interesting that people have to look at that that way instead of looking at it the way I think that is clearly what God is saying here is that she's chosen by God and sustained by God because of his love for her and she is receiving favor because God is graceful and gracious to her. There's nothing in here who says there was a woman named Mary and if you had her as your child, every other kid Every other parent would be jealous. You would have a sticker on the back of your van that says, My kid is sinless. My kid is, kid is perfect because she is Mary. She is the greatest girl in all of Nazareth. Well, that's, we don't know that. We don't know what kind of girl Mary was. In fact, you know, we, don't, we need to understand that she is chosen by God and did, did not deserve it. Also, we need to understand to ourselves that as humanity, we have been favored by God. We have been given the gift of salvation, and we have to look at it the same way. There is not one of us who has deserved it. So as with Mary, we don't deserve it either. Um, so at the time of Adam and Eve uh, had just sinned and were kicked out of the garden, all of creation was cursed. That's why it's 20 below. Um, they were kicked out of the garden. Death entered the world. And what does God do at this time? If you just had your greatest creation destroyed by people that you gave freedom to, is your first reaction, and I'm going to be really nice to you later. It's tough when you're angry. I mean, God is, is telling the snake, you know, the, the, telling Satan about what's going to happen to him. But during this time in Genesis 3.15, God reaches out to us and says, out to Satan and, put, and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, during the time when everything was falling apart in the Old Testament, Jesus or God spoke to, the, to Satan and he spoke to us saying, I have a plan to save you. Man, when you're upset about somebody messing up, the last thing that usually comes to our mind is a plan. That tells you unmerited favor. That tells you love. Adam and Eve messed everything up. Everything that we experience is pain right now. All these horrible things that happen are a result of the curse that came from this. And throughout the Old Testament, God gives the promise of a Savior from their sin. He sets up a sacrifice system which points to the ultimate reality of Christ. And what did people do throughout the Old Testament? They rebelled against him. And then God would save them. And then they would rebel again. And then God would save them. And then he, they would rebel again. And we'd go back and forth. And God did unmerited favor time after time after time. He favored people that didn't deserve it. And he said he kept reaching out to people until he finally brought the promised Messiah. Now let's talk about Mary again. 
Mary, we think, is between 13 and 15 years old. Okay, so she's probably a maybe get typical teenager at this time. We don't know, but teenagers at this time got married or betrothed at 13 to 15. What does it mean to be betrothed? We don't usually use this term. It meant it was a legal contract that was made between a, 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 man and his, a man and wife, and they were not married, and they could not have sex, but they, but they were bound together where to break this relationship would require a divorce. So it's kind of like a pre-marriage after, after uh, engagement. It's, it's an interesting system that they had at this time. And she receives this great message from the angel. She has a baby as a virgin, and she still thinks later on, as we did in our series of Mark, later on in her life, she is going to think that Jesus is cre- crazy and she needs to take him home to straighten him out. Okay. An angel Gabriel appeared to her. She had a baby without having sex. She was told he is the Son of God, the Most High, the one who will rule Israel forever. And she had the nerve to say, I need to straighten him out. Mary wasn't perfect either, is what I'm trying to say. It says in Mark 3, 21, And when his family heard it, that's Mary, they went out to seize him, and they were saying, He is out of his mind. My son, who I had as a virgin when the Holy Spirit came upon him, is out of his mind, and I'm going to fix it. That's not really trusting in God. So I'm just saying, for everybody who wants to make Mary this perfect everything, she's, she'd never do, oh, the, Mary did this. Mary was a woman, a young woman with problems like us. I'm not trying to pick on Mary. I'm just saying it makes me feel better that we're, we're, we can hang out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because I've had a bad attitude at times. I've tried to straighten God out at times. I thought I was smarter than God. Maybe I'm the only one. But, you know, it, it, she is just a normal person. But she's obedient to God. And this gives hope for us. For if Mary, who is a flawed individual, is used by God, how much more can we be used by God as also flawed individuals? undeserved. What do we all receive? If you look at verse 32, it says, he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. The word son right here in Hebrew understanding means equal to God. Equal to God is coming. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will rule and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Christ is still ruling today and will rule forever. That is what God produced for a sinful, rebellious people that received favor or grace and not one of us deserved any of it. That is the hope that we have. Because if you came today and you said, I'm going to church, but you know what? I'm not a very good person. There's no way God can love me. I've got a a secret for you. God loves everyone. God's grace extends to everyone. God wants to save anyone that wants to be saved. God wants to show favor to you. Just like he showed it to Mary here and using her, he wants to also use you in great things. God wants to give you favor. You're like, well, I'm not nothing special. We don't think Mary was anything special. But wow, the thing that she got to do for the rest of her life. So what would you do in your life? I had the Son of God. How about you? 
That's a great story to share. It's, an, it's a, you know, conversation opener. <laughs> and so I think that we need to understand that she was used as an ordinary girl receiving favor from God. And there's going to be things in your life that God wants to do in your life that are going to be extraordinary because God has favor on you. And we have hope in our lives, not because of our own attributes, not because of we say, well, I'm just this person, or I come from this family, or I've had this in my past. God looks at you and says, I'm going to do great things with you. I, you have hope for a future. You have hope for your salvation, and you have hope that you can do great things in God. The second thing is, we have hope for the impossible. Now Mary said to the angel, Mary, like I think most people, we, this is not a complicated thing. Um, I have people come up to me and they say, um, I'm, I got pregnant and I'm not sure how. And I usually say, well, I can give you a book and uh, we can talk about it. But there's only one way to get pregnant, right? And she's aware of this. She's saying, I, how would this be since I'm a virgin? How am I going to get pregnant since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so we need to understand that this impossible event happened to show us that we have hope in God for anything. Mary's understanding of human biology is correct. God's overruling human biology is also correct. Science's understanding of a sickness that's in your body is not the final word. God is the final word. If God says you're going to have a baby and this is going to happen, you're going to have a baby. If God says this is the way it is, this is the way that it is, we need to understand He is the God of the impossible. He is the God that wants to do things in your life that just don't make any sense. He picks people that don't necessarily fit the mold. The purpose of the virgin birth, of course, is to have God be the father but, and, and to have the part God, you know, 100% God, 100% man in, in, the, in the baby Jesus. But it's also to show that God can do it. And even further, he says, what about your relative Elizabeth? The story that's right before us, you see, Elizabeth was in her old age, and I think most women understand that in your old age, you usually don't have babies. And he is saying your, your uh, relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, which was going to be John the Baptist. And he, he is already in his sixth month, and she was called barren. So in other words, the doctors had told her, you will never have a kid. God said, you will have a kid. The time said, you're too old to have a kid. God said, you will have a kid. Are you starting to see a theme here? God decides what happens. Science is great. I'm not downplaying science. But, and most of the time, things follow this. It's important. But God overrules when he wants to. When it's his desire. When it's something we pray for. We can pray to a God that is not bound by anything. He's not bound because Sanford Medical tells you you can't be done. 
He's not bound because your financial advisor says it can't be done. He's not bound because, well, that person's just unsavable. Your relative that you're going to spend Christmas with. He is not bound by this. He had nothing is impossible. Look at verse 37. The angel just says, nothing is impossible with God. I can't say it any better myself because the Bible said it, so thus you have to go with that. Nothing is impossible with God. Dream big. Ask God for big things. One of the hardest verses for me in the Bible is God can do greater things than we can ever ask. So why do we ask so small? Why don't we say, God, I want to have great things happen. I want to see great things happen in my life because I have hope for the impossible. I have hope that God's going to start a revival in Bemidji and make it happen because he does the impossible. I have hope for people groups that have been, never been reached because God is a God of the impossible. And if God can make somebody pregnant who is a virgin, I think he's got some credibility with that. If God can take that baby, grow the baby up, and then when the baby dies, raise him from the dead, credibility. During that time, the man who would be born here raised Lazarus from the dead, cast out demons, um, caused money to come out of the mouth of a fish. I'm still waiting for that one. Catch a fish, reach in there. Money. You know, no, I haven't had the need. But as a northern Minnesotan, that's kind of all of our dream. And so it's, it's, this concept is that God is not limited. Lastly, we, can have ho- we have hope when we place ourselves in God's hand. Okay, you know that Mary's life is not going to be easy after this point. You walk around and realize the fact that Mary is a single mother who's got a story of God got me pregnant. Okay. First time she goes up to Joseph and says that? Joseph? (laughs) No. God got me pregnant. I've heard God being blamed for a lot of things. But she's got, he's got to be sitting there going, what do you, what do you, what? And he's ready to do what? We see later. He's ready to divorce her. Because he says, this woman I'm betrothed to, I'm pretty sure we didn't have sex. I, w- I would have remembered that. And now she's pregnant. I need, and an angel had to appear to him and say, you need to stick with this. This is of God. But you don't think there was people all of her life pointing at her? Going, there's that woman. Yeah, she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Sure, she did. Well, I kind of get that. I I mean, I I do. And then the whole life that she is living, the fact that she has to see what happens to her son, the fact that she sees to the point where she thinks she has to straighten Jesus out is because she says, this is getting kind of crazy. I don't know if I signed up for this. We see her at the, the cross, watching her son nailed to a cross. There is nothing worse than to have people talk about having to see their own, or have their own children killed or lose their own child, but to have your son humiliated. There is nothing more humiliating than watching your son naked on a cross, being tortured and dying the worst death possible. This is what she has to go through. Now, she, now, the angel Gabriel doesn't give her all of that here. 
I think that might be a little much for her to handle. But you know what she says? We can have hope when we place ourselves in God's hand. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What I love about this, about Mary, this is something to her credit. She doesn't ask, wait a sec, I've got about 50 other questions. What am I supposed to say when this happens? What do I do here? What do I do here? What do I do here? What, what? No. She says, if this is God's will for my life, let it happen. She's about to take on. She knows when she goes back to Joseph. She knows what's going to happen. She knows how other people are going to look at her. She knows that this is not going to be an easy life. But she says, I have hope because I believe in God and what he can do in my life. If you're here today and you're in a situation, you're in a situation where you're saying, I don't know if I can have hope. I've been following after God and I seem to be ended up in a situation. I don't understand what's going on. You can say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word, God. Where does God want you to go? And sometimes you may be surprised. I've told people many times this story. 1986, I guaranteed one thing in my life. Guaranteed one thing in my life when I graduated from high school, from Bemidji High School, that I will never move back to Bemidji. There is one thing that I knew. You know, when you were a senior in high school, they will ask you, Where are you what are you doing? I said, well, I can tell you my thoughts, but I can tell you one thing I am not doing, and that's moving back here. Never, 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 never going to happen. When God called me back here, I had to take the stance of Mary and say, it's, a, it's your word, God. You called me back here. This was obviously was not my 20-year my plan, my 30-year plan, my 50-year plan. It wasn't in any plans. But God, if you call me back here, you must have something for me to do. Whatever you call me to do, God, wherever you have me, if this is your word, if this is something, when God tells you to do something, do it. Even though if it doesn't make any sense, understand the fact that he is with you, you can have hope. It doesn't matter how hard it looks. It doesn't matter that, she, that Mary is going to have to go through all of these tough things. Yes, she is blessed. Yes, she has some great things to talk about, that she's going to be pregnant by, by the Holy Spirit, but also she's going to go through a lot of tough times. But she can have hope because she put herself in God. Because why? We have hope because he is a living God that follows through in his promises. And if it's really God's son, who's responsible for him? God. I mean, Mary really could use, you could just wait till your father gets home. I've always wanted to use that line. But, you know, she could say that. Your, your father, who had you, who conceived you, and who's responsible, who did he re- respond to his father? She had the greatest, uh, um, you know, father of her child here. And she, needs to, she knew the fact that no matter what was going to happen, God was going to be there and he was going to be consistent with it. So when it comes to hope, understand this fact when you walk out of here is that we need to be challenged as a church to say we have hope in Christ. We have hope in God. The people that waited thousands of years for God to deliver the Messiah got to see him. And we have hope because God delivered the Messiah and we had Jesus. We have hope now because he was raised from the dead. And he is coming again for us. During this Christmas season, we can have hope 
no matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what, you say, well, I've got a story for you. It doesn't matter. You can have hope. That's, that's the only promise I can give you is that God can give you hope when there is nothing else in this world that can do it. Stand with me right now. For our prayer ministers could come forward. Earlier, Pastor Jordan played the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And, and the concept is that people were waiting for their Savior. They were waiting for their expected Savior. And God delivered. And because of that, they had hope because they had hope in a God that delivers. And today, I want to let you know that you can have hope in a God who delivers. If you're here today, you are here for a purpose. You are here because God wanted you to hear the message that's being preached today. He wanted you to understand what was in this. And maybe you came and you said, I am at the end of my rope. I don't have any hope anymore. God is saying to you, yes, you do. And your hope is Jesus Christ. If you're and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never made him the master of your life. You've never made him the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is the day to do that. Because if you don't have hope in God, I will tell you this, I do not know what hope you have. I don't. This world. You, I mean, layoff, job layoffs. You say, well, I have a great company. You never know what company that's going to be. I have my health. You don't know the future on that. I have this. Don't know the future on that. I have all these things. You know what? You know a God that can take care of you. And your sins can be forgiven. So if you've never made that commitment, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. And if you're here today and you're in need of prayer, understand the fact that God is the God of impossible. You need someone to pray with you today about anything. You come and talk to one of our prayer ministers because God is the God of the impossible. But for everybody else that's here, I want you to walk out of this place with a hope that is based on God. A hope that is not based on what happens in this world or any human circumstances. The world is going to do two things. First of all, they're probably going to think you're crazy. Just understand that. But at the same time, they want to know what is the source of that hope. Let's bring the hope of Jesus Christ to this world that doesn't have any hope. For people that are saying, I'd rather commit suicide. I'd rather overdose on drugs. I'd rather do all these things because you know what? There is no hope in this world. There is hope. And that hope is the coming of Christ and is soon coming again. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are our hope. You are our hope, God, that is not based on just a wishful thinking, but our hope is based on you, on your reliability, on the creator of the world that can come to a virgin and say, you will have a child, a, a creator, God, that can come, and, and your son who is born here, God, that can do great miracles. And you can say that nothing is impossible, God, because even your own son rises from the dead. Nothing is impossible with God. And because we have hope, we can put our faith in you and say, God, we don't understand all everything in the future, but if we're according to your word, we're according to your word, 
Let us say as Mary does, Lord, it is well with it. I'm going to follow along with you, God. I'm going to go with you because I trust in you. And when we have this hope, God, there's nothing in this world that can take it away. And Lord, let us spread this hope. Let us raise the level of hope in our community. And let us be the greatest thing that we receive for Christmas this year is hope from you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Our prayer ministers are available. Otherwise, you are dismissed.